Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch, along with Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Good, bad, and a delicious crazy martini for conservatives here on Tuesday. Jim, let's start with our good, and it's a sigh of relief good, because a potential terrorist attack was thwarted at National Harbor, just outside the nation's capital, if that term sounds familiar. That's where CPAC is every year. and so, uh, But it's not just the home of CPAC. It's a very busy, very popular place for families to go, particularly when the weather's nice. It's right on the Potomac River. There's a carousel. There's a giant Ferris wheel. There's lots of trendy restaurants and shops and so forth. So very popular place. Uh, and we got the news yesterday that a terrorist attack was thwarted at that location. Pete Williams, uh, Justice Department correspondent for NBC News on MSNBC. Well, the FBI says that this man, who is a uh, 28-year-old from Maryland, Rondell Henry of Germantown, Maryland, was a uh, computer expert at a satellite uh, services company here in the Washington area, and that he walked off his job on March 26th, uh, deciding that he wanted to carry out some kind of attack inspired by ISIS videos and what the FBI says was, by his own words, hatred for anyone who did not believe in the Muslim faith. They said he followed uh, around a a U-Haul truck, watched where it was parked. When the driver left, he stole the truck and then, according to the FBI, drove around the Washington area looking for some place to attack that would have a large number of pedestrians. So essentially, he was inspired by the truck attack in Nice, France, a couple of years back that killed dozens and dozens of people. Uh, He initially went to Dulles Airport looking for people to mow down, Uh, didn't like the situation there. So then he decided, for whatever reason, to go to National Harbor. But he got there at a time where there weren't a lot of people there either. And so here's Pete Williams telling the rest of the story. According to the court documents, he then uh, parked the car and hid in a boat. Uh, overnight waiting for more people to gather. Now, in the meantime, U-Haul had reported one of its vehicles stolen, and the FBI and local law enforcement found it parked at a parking garage in National Harbor, checked surveillance video. Uh, They had gotten the vehicle information on uh, Henry's uh, vehicle that he had parked in order to steal the truck at the mall parking garage in Virginia saw him getting out of the truck and arrested him. And according to the FBI, he immediately uh, admitted that he stole the truck and said he wanted to uh, carry out attacks. They quote him as saying in their interview with him, quote, I was just going to keep driving and driving. I wasn't going to stop. So, Jim, uh, obviously this is fairly close to home for us, but it's, uh, it's, it's a story that we've seen play out in many different places uh, around the world. Uh, the good news is, obviously, that it was thwarted, but from what we're hearing, uh, it came pretty darn close to happening. Yeah, I believe it was just either you know yesterday or late last week, Greg, I was talking about how we had not had an Islamist terrorist attack in uh, quite some time, knocking on wood as I say that. Uh, that's the result of a lot of good work by the FBI and our intelligence agencies and everyone involved in homeland security and all of that. Um, I think what makes this particularly frightening is that this is an attack you can't really stop. It takes uh, purchasing the sort of materials you use to make bombs might raise some eyebrows here. Uh, You know, we hear a claim that it's all too easy to get firearms, but it's worth noting that many jihadists have not used firearms in their attacks 
uh, Orlando and, and San Bernardino being two of the, the notable exceptions. Beyond that, um, you know, it's very easy for somebody to rent a truck. And in this case, the guy couldn't even be bothered to do that. Uh, the other thing I'm kind of curious about there, Greg, I'm realizing the guy was a was a satellite uh, TV guy. Yes. So I imagine he probably got a truck to do his job, you know, traveling around to work for his company. So theoretically, at any point, he could have taken his vehicle and tried to run people down. So we lucked out a great deal. Apparently, I guess this guy really wanted to see a huge crowd. Now I feel a little bit bad about all the times I told jokes about how uh, dreadfully depressing National Harbor can be every time when you go there in February for CPAC. <laughs> um, perhaps it's a good sign that there were no large crowds there that day. Um, also, I'm very tempted to put in some sort of snarky remark about not even a terrorist could get through the traffic on the way to the airport. Uh, but I'll put that aside, just observe, wow, this was a, you know, a, a dodged bullet and could have been much, much worse. Now, the other thing which is kind of interesting is because he was inspired by ISIS videos, you have a suspicion that the FBI and various law enforcement organizations are keeping an eye on chat rooms and other places where someone could get radicalized. But at least so far in the coverage I'd seen, I hadn't seen uh, the idea that he had been interacting with someone and that someone had kind of been pulling him down along this path. So uh, very frightening. This is, we you know, the, the best case scenario when it comes from law enforcement and stopping terrorism. Uh, because if things had not turned out the way they had, you know, one little difference here or there, uh, this story could have had a much sadder and much more uh, uh, terrifying uh, result. So uh, knocking on wood, thanking the Lord, and, uh, you know, hopefully things stay this way. Amen. Amen. Two quick uh, post notes here. First of all, you can never again talk about how long it's been since we've had a terrorist attack because <laughs> less than 24 hours later, we got yeah, this. Point. Don't do, <laughs> never let me do that again, Greg. Edit that part out. <laughs> and secondly, uh, we obviously don't want any terrorists, but if you're going to have one, having a stupid one is uh, not too bad. This guy steals a U-Haul. You have to think that these things have GPS or LoJack mm-hmm. or something on them. So they were able to track it down in a National Harbor parking garage, and there's plenty of those around National Harbor, obviously. And then instead of going home or going somewhere else, he just decided to break into somebody's boat and sleep overnight there. Not that I'm giving anybody any ideas, but uh, this this guy was a moron, and we're thankful for that. I was going to say, I was thinking about the end of the Boston Marathon uh, terrorism event at Scare and how uh, the... The baby brother bomber was caught in a boat there. Something about terrorists that like getting into boats, apparently. Uh, And the second observation there is uh, I'm fascinated by this guy who presumably wanted to kill a lot of people and was willing to die uh, for his cause. But, um, Greg, am I understanding this correctly? He um, couldn't shell out for the deposit? (laughs) Kind of, you know, he's a stupid terrorist and apparently a bit of a cheapskate terrorist. So those are really the kind you want to get. Uh, makes them easier to catch, and we're very thankful how, for how things shook out today. All right, let's look to our bad martini now, Jim. And we are staying in uh, the D.C. metro area, at least in part here, because we're talking about voters in Virginia. As we've mentioned a number of times, there are legislative elections this year. Every seat in the 100-member House of Delegates and every seat in the 40-member State Senate are on the ballot this year. And things have not looked that great statewide or even legislatively in the last couple cycles here for uh, Republicans. The state's getting bluer and bluer, particularly in northern Virginia. Uh, But then, of course, we got the major scandals for the three statewide elected leaders. Ralph Northam with the yearbook and the blackface and the Klan picture. Uh, Justin Fairfax with the two on-the-record accusers of sexual assault and rape. And then Mark Herring, after saying that Ralph Northam needed to resign over the blackface that happened in the 80s. Oh, yeah, I did that, too. So now we actually have some hard numbers here, thanks to uh, the folks over at Christopher Newport University. 
The approval ratings aren't great here, but uh, Ralph Northam underwater, 49-40, 49% disapprove, 40% approve. Uh, Justin Fairfax, here's the odd one, 31% approve, 35% disapprove. After all this coverage, or maybe not enough, I guess, 34% don't know what they think of how he's handling his job as lieutenant governor. And then you've got uh, Mark Herring. He's 38% approve, 28% uh, disapprove. But Virginia voters do not want any of them to resign. Stay in office, 52-42 in favor of Northam, 45-42, uh, much closer there with Fairfax. And then a whopping 64-28 to 28 stay for Mark Herring, and oh, by the way, on the generic ballot for later this year, the Democrats still lead. So, Jim, what's happening in the Old Dominion here? (sighs) Can I sigh a little (laughs) bit louder there, Greg? (sighs) Virginia, you disappoint me so much. The first thought is that I'm really intrigued by the people. I strongly disapprove of them, but I don't want them to resign. What, what makes you think any one of these guys are so special? There's so such sterling character and leadership and innovation and ideas. And, ah, uh, well, we, we can't function without Ralph Northam in, in the governor's mansion. What would we do? You know, um, the only note in there where I might give a molecule of credit is I could understand somebody having a uh, not knowing what they think of Justin Fairfax and how he's uh, handling his job because in part because, you know, we, we, you know, we're, we're in a circumstance in which, look, the two women who came forward certainly seem credible. It's certainly, you know, the, the, the claim from Fairfax is not that he'd never met these women or they're making this up. It's that he had a consensual sexual interaction with both of them uh, and that much after the fact, they claimed that it was non-consensual or something like that. I can understand a voter feeling divided about that. These sound like very serious charges. You'd like to see them adjudicated in some way. Um, we are just right at the statute of limitations for one of the two charges for the other one in the state that it occurred. There is no statute of limitations. It would be great if law enforcement could look into this and say either we're going to pursue a case or we're not going to pursue a case. Since we know Democrats in the state legislature don't want to investigate this, someone should. Um, and the women have said they're perfectly willing and happy to testify and tell their story. And they, they, they really want to. Uh, but the Virginia Democrats don't want to have any part of that. All of this strikes me as you know, beneath the Commonwealth. We, we deserve better. Um, but apparently a chunk of voters don't really have that much of a problem with it. And, and I'm really kind of curious about whether it's like, well, things are going well, so why rock the boat or, or something like that? The other thing, I'm, you know, 23% of voters appear unaware of even the highly publicized Northam scandal. That's nearly a quarter of the electorate. Where have you people been? <laughs> right? I realized it was two months ago. Maybe you forgot about it. But this was kind of a big deal. I mean, we complained about the... Uh, the mainstream and I, maybe the interesting question is did it get covered more extensively nationally than in some parts of virginia but i you know greg you and i are usually among the first to gripe about the washington post and and various newspapers in this area i actually don't think they underplayed it or downplayed it or something like that the post did, you know, did a pretty decent job covering it there's been you know as you mentioned cbs this morning interviewed the uh the alleged the alleged victims of justin fairfax <sighs> You know, it's kind of hard to make this argument. So you start wondering, is it straight up pure uh, partisanship that makes people say, ah, this is not really worry about that. Um, I I just I don't know. um, And there there are certain times where the public could look at particularly bad behavior and say, "Eh, we don't worry about this. You know, we don't have to follow that. (laughs) We, We can say, no, 
this is wrong and we're going to stand against it, even if it's not polling right. This is a circumstance which, you know what, dear, dear Virginia public, you should care about this. And maybe there's one minute, small bit of grief that I might give to the Virginia Republican Party. Who very much wants to look this way? They want to politically exploit this without looking like they're trying to politically exploit this. Um, Greg, I don't know about you. I would be perfectly if you give me a choice between three embarrassing, scandal-ridden Democrats in the top three offices of this state, and three Virginia Democrats who have the exact same positions but who don't have those embarrassing scandals. Give me the scandal-free guys. I, you know, I, I care about my state that I don't think it's a good thing to have Ralph Northam having had this picture in his yearbook to have offered an implausible tale that he doesn't know who's in that picture and he has no idea how it got there. And just golly, he just doesn't understand why people called him Coon Man back in college and stuff like that. I don't like the idea uh, or that he'd never been familiar with Birth of a Nation and all these other things that are kind of, you know, um, I don't like having a Claude as my governor. Uh, in the case of Justin Fairfax, I really would like to see these, these accusations adjudicated in one form or another. I don't like the idea the accusations just hang out there. Look, it's conceivable that these women are not telling the truth and that, for, you know, that, that uh, Fairfax is being unfairly smeared. I don't think that's the case, but you know what? Let's, let's give him his day in court. Everybody's entitled to that. Um, he needs an opportunity to be able to either clear his name or to say, no, there is no basis to these allegations. You know, I should not have this smear on my reputation. Um, and for the last one, just worth noting, Mark Herring, this was the guy who seemed to be uh, uh, escaping the least of it. And, you know, he came forward about his, uh, you know, allegedly wearing a blackface. He was younger when it occurred, um, college freshman. People seem to appreciate that he didn't have this exposed by him. He came forward about it. It is worth noting that there are claims that he has not necessarily described the picture all that accurately. And it's it's a worse context than... Uh, than the, he described. I, I don't know how much stock to put into that until we see the picture. It's kind of hard to judge, but it is worth noting that's out there. Um, look, this is this is an embarrassing state of affairs for the, the Commonwealth of Virginia. And uh, the fact that Virginia, it's a, a decent chunk of Virginia voters just going to shrug at this and say, eh, let it pass. You know, again, many of us would observe if this were Republican governors, this would not have faded from the headlines. This would not have been a, a quick, you know, one day of protests and then everybody kind of goes home. Um, they would have beat the drums until these guys were forced to resign. And in the end, the, the argument for Democratic state legislators was, look, we've called for Justin Fairfax to resign, but we don't want to investigate this in hearings, <laughs> which did not make a lot of sense to me. And I think that illustrates the uh, state of the Virginia Democratic Party today. Wow. Well, as we've talked about before, with all of them tainted, it makes it uh, hard for any of them to go because uh, then it could uh, set up a whole series of dominoes and then a Republican is fourth in line or third in line, however you want to count it, uh, to the governorship. So, hey, let's just keep everybody in place. But we don't want to dump all over Virginia because it's a pretty happy day in the Commonwealth. The uh, the Wahoos, the Cavaliers, they won the national championship in men's basketball last night. Thrilling game once again. They win it in overtime. And uh, Jim, I'm pretty much ambivalent on UVA. I did cheer for them last night. I've got some good friends who are alums. Um, but after what happened in Charlottesville a couple of years ago and how they were humiliated in the first round by a 16 seed last year, pretty happy that they, they got this done this year. And uh, Tony Bennett seems like a really solid guy as a good coach. Yeah, I was going to say, one, you know, obviously this is a campus that could use some good times. It could use something to celebrate. Um, I don't want to rehash our second martini. I'll just observe that uh, Reason's brilliant uh, musical parody artist, Remy, observed, boy, 
doesn't it feel good to see Virginia trending on Twitter? And it's not about one of our politicians. <laughs> right. um, and the other observation, I think it was on sports radio, somebody had said, University of Virginia Cavaliers now have the greatest yes but in sports history. <laughs> because they're going to have for the rest of the, the history, until it happens to some other team. It's going to say, ah, you know, only one number one seed has ever lost to a 16 seed in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And that was the 2000, I guess it'd be the 2018 uh, University of Virginia Cavaliers. And yes, that's an enormous embarrassment. Yes, but they won the, the national championship the following year. And that, if that's, that's the single best way to come back from a defeat. Kind of inspiring. You know, you, you, we've all had bad days on our jobs, bad days in our lives. But man, to be that number one seed and lose to a 16 seed, that's, that, that's got to taste really, really bitter. You come back, you win the championship the next year. All those kids can hold their heads high for the rest of their lives. Yeah, very good, very good. Made a lot of threes, which makes sense. Jefferson was the third president. All right, let's go on to our uh, crazy martini now, Jim. And let's pivot from the character of Thomas Jefferson to the lack of character of Harry Reid, the former Senate Majority Leader from the great state of Nevada. Uh, Harry Reid was in court recently, and he didn't win. So that's good right there. Uh, We got John Sexton reporting on this over at Hot Air, and he uh, sprinkles in some uh, quotes here from the Associated Press as well as um, the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Former Senator Harry Reid lost his civil case against Theraband last week. Reid was seriously injured in 2015 while exercising with the band in his bathroom. He later sued the manufacturer, claiming the product was unsafe for use by elderly people like himself. But during the trial, the attorney who represented the company that manufactures Theraband showed clips of Reed telling various stories about his injury, some of which contradicted things he said on the stand during the trial. The attorney argued that Harry Reed seemed to have difficulty telling the truth, which won't surprise anyone who is familiar with Harry Reed. Let's count the shifting statements with some help from the Associated Press. First, his reason for not running for office again. Quote from AP, Reed testified last week that his injuries were the main factor why he decided not to seek a sixth term in 2016. The attorney, however, showed the jury a 2015 video news release in which Reed said his decision not to run had absolutely nothing to do with my injury. Second, Reed initially claimed the band broke, then later claimed it slipped from his hand. And third, the location where the band was attached changed from a hook to a shower door. Quote from the AP, he noted that Reed at first said the band broke, not that it slipped his grasp, and that it had been attached to a metal hook in the wall of the bathroom in his suburban Las Vegas home. On the witness stand, Reed testified he looped a band through a shower door handle, not a hook, and that he spun around and fell face first against hard-edged bathroom cabinets when it slipped from his grip on New Year's Day. 2015. But here's the best Harry Reid part of all. This is from the Review Journal. Reid's family threw out the band after he was hurt. Months later, he and his wife lodged a product liability lawsuit against three defendants, but jurors decided that the defendants did not manufacture the exercise band involved in Reid's accident. Asked whether the verdict may have been different if the band had not been discarded. That's called speculation. There's no way I can say according to one of the attorneys. So, Jim, there's a lot of weird parts to this story. We've, we've always been a little skeptical of uh, Harry Reid's uh, explanation for these serious injuries. First of all, I'm not sure who exercises in their bathroom. His might be a little more spacious than mine. Uh, you also don't want to be using the door of uh, the handle of a door that will open as your tension uh, if you're exercising. Uh, and you usually don't want to be doing vigorous things near sharp corners. So, um, what do you make of, of Harry Reid's story, first of all, and uh, the delicious fact that he was exposed in lie after lie? Yeah, I was going to say, from the moment this happened, there was kind of this, oh, first of all, it looked terrible. It was a very big bandage over his eye. 
Um, and it looked like the sort of thing that would happen if somebody came along and decked you. Um, fairly or not, Las Vegas has a reputation for having uh, connections to the underworld and gangsters and, you know, all of that. And many people suspected or thought that something uh, sinister had gone on. That, that, that somehow, you know, Harry Reid had run across the wrong guy at the wrong time or maybe had not, failed to keep a campaign promise. So he'd run into an irate constituent, uh, perhaps, and uh, that, that had how he'd gotten injured. He came with the injury of the exercise equipment. He was, he was you know, uh, pretty up there in years as is. So the idea of, you know, you wonder exactly just how much vigorous uh, exercise Harry Reid should be engaging in. Uh, then, as you mentioned, all the various weird twists of it. Look, you and I, the, the, one of our, our less used catchphrases, way to go, Nevada, way to go, stems back to that 2010, oh my God, has it been that long, Greg? Um, <laughs> right. The 2010 Senate race where Sharon Angle, admittedly a flawed candidate, <laughs> who I believe she had a, so begrudgingly accepted the legality of alcohol. In Nevada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In Nevada, you know, Sin City, you know, gambling and prostitution's legal in certain jurisdictions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I guess I'll be okay with alcohol. Uh, and let me tell you, you want to lose my vote. <laughs> Flirting with prohibition of alcohol is, is that's, that's how you lose it. But uh, that says something about Harry Reid. Um, and you want to talk about people who really made uh, politics worse. And it's, it's kind of fascinating how often Harry Reid would get this, you know, master of the Senate, the wily old trickster who's figured out, you know, because he would do things like nuke the uh, filibuster for judges. Um, and, and then it would come back to bite Democrats. And you'd see the likes of Amy Klobuchar saying, oh, wait, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, Republicans can do that, too. Oh, oh, I, I never could have foreseen that could have happened. Oh, my goodness. Now it feels unfair now that we're in the minority, you know. Um, I, I look back and I still marvel at his uh, claim that uh, that Mitt Romney had not paid taxes for 10 years, never had any evidence for it, never generated any, you know, like this is not the sort, you know, and, and when asked about it, he kind of, <laughs> well, it worked, didn't it? And he mean, by that, he means that you know, Mitt Romney had not won the election. And it was it's the most explicit declaration that the ends justify the means. And that lying is okay if it helps you win that I've ever seen in American politics. And this is the sort of thing where you'd like to think left, right, and center. Everybody could come together and say, no, no, that is not okay, Harry Reid. And you are not, you know, and yet he kept getting coverage of this, you know, wise old, I think one, somebody called him the Yoda of the Senate. <laughs> Yoda did not say, mm, lie if you must. It will make your odds of success more likely. You know, Harry Reid was a, was, was a nasty, nasty guy. Uh, and I marvel at all the times he would say things like the tourist smell, th things that would ordinarily be career enders for lesser politicians. And Nevada was a pretty heavily Democratic state. He had the labor unions, you know, pulling out all the stops for him. And he, you know, managed to hang on in 2010 and was safe most years. Um, and, and so, you know, you want to talk about people who made our politics worse. Harry Reid was one of them. So anytime he loses uh, and he loses because he's not honest enough. You know, I, Greg, I, I'm sorry. I, I want to turn this into a, a truism or a sayism or, or a saying or something like that. There are times karma gets on the wrong bus and it ends up delayed, but it does tend to show up eventually. <laughs> oh, Harry Reid. I, I was going to say just go away, but he already did. So I don't really have anything more to say just about stay this. Away. <laughs> just stay away. Just stay away. We don't miss you in the United States Senate. That is for sure. Uh, that would have been great if the uh, company had brought Mitt Romney on the stand as a character witness. That would have been. <laughs> have you ever had an experience with this man where he was less than truthful about you? Why, yes. Yes, I do. Where do I begin? <laughs> 
but it wasn't even necessary. That's how bad of a liar he was in this case. Jim, have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. And be sure to tune in again on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.